So today we're going to continue our dwell series, and uh, we'll be focusing on the scriptures in John five to uh, John, sorry John chapter five through seventeen to twenty nine. And I took out I took out a bigger bite than I was supposed to today, but anyways, we're going to do it. And uh, so we're going to read from John five chapter seventeen to twenty nine. Uh, the words will be on the screen, or you can uh, read along in your Bible. And uh, anyways, let's just read together today. Uh, John 5, verse 17 says, But Jesus answered them, My Father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Verse 25, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming uh, when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Verse 29, and come out, and those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So in this series of messages, we started it actually in February. We're going to go all the way through to the end of the year, taking up uh, part. We're not going to go through every single uh, verse in John, but we're going to go through a lot of them. And uh, so this year we're doing this, and uh, because I've given it a kind of a, you know, the theme, dwell, teachings from the Gospel of John, we don't actually have specific titles for messages. It's kind of like part one, part two, and so on and so forth. Well, today, if we could give it a title, this message, we would say, or I would say the title would be, like father, like son. That's what I would give it. Uh, This year, the series, again, we're going through, we're going from John 1 to the end of John 21, and again, the title for today, we're not going to give it one, but the unofficial title would be Like Father, Like Son. Of course, when you think of that term, you know in our world that that has both positive and negative connotations attached to it. Our text today is based on, uh, in John chapter 5, where Jesus performs another miracle. And as we begin our portion of the text in verse 17, Jesus is in trouble again. The truth is, it's okay to be a bit of a troublemaker from time to time, right? Because we know Jesus was a troublemaker from time to time. In this case, with the spiritual leaders. He healed someone on the Sabbath when he wasn't supposed to. What a naughty boy, right? Jesus teaches us that he just doesn't, excuse me, that he just, he's just doing, this is what the theme of the scripture is for us today, he's just doing what his father does. That's what we're to remember. He's just doing what his father does. The words of Christ in John 5, verse 17, give us our main concept and teaching for today. And it's simply this. There is perfect harmony and unity in the Trinity, which is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
three persons in one. So let's jump deeper into that concept today of the Trinity and three persons in one, the Godhead. Our first thought is this, co-equal and co-eternal. There have been, uh, excuse me, there has never been anything but harmony with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's never been anything else. If our always being the three persons in one have always been in harmony together. Have you ever been in a place where there is perfect harmony? Anybody? Anyone ever been in somewhere? Like your family, perfect harmony, right? Of course, yeah, everyone. Well, most likely, a lot of us have not maybe experienced perfect harmony, right? A.W. Tozer wrote this, An equal does not pray to an equal. An equal prays to one who is above him and to whom he can address his prayers. And when the son prays to the father, it's a passive confession of subordination. He is not equal to the father, so he prays to one who is above him, and yet he can say, I and the Father are one. Interesting, right? He can still pray, even in the midst of that, he can pray, I and the Father are one. John 14, verse 9 says, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So if we've been with Jesus, we've been with the Father. That's what Jesus is teaching us. Jesus does nothing independently. How many of us have uh, been called and or we consider ourselves independent? Anyone ever thought of themselves as independent or someone said that you're an independent person? All right, it's, you know, Jesus does nothing independently. Jesus is fully submitted to the Father's will. Think about that. He's fully submitted to the Father's will. You and I must actually operate in that same capacity. Because Jesus is Jesus, his submission comes by choice, not by coercion or some sort of inferior nature. It's not because Jesus is less than. It's not because he, he feels like, okay, I'll do it. It's my dad. Right? No. He's, he's doing it because it's, it's, part, it's, it's, it's his choice. It's part of his nature to submit what the Father says. One commentator wrote, the relationship between the first and second members of the Trinity is not one of master and slave, or not of employer and employee, but of father and son, united by love. Right? How many of you have been working and your boss says to you, you got to do this, and you're thinking, I don't want to. Or that's a dumb idea, right? We've thought those things, of course. He does it because of his father-son relationship, united by love. Sometimes you've heard me speak about Jesus as the God-man. This is in part where it comes from. Jesus Christ has two natures, the nature of man and the nature of God, harmonized into one perfect person. When Jesus says in John 10, verse 30, that he and his Father are one, there is, this isn't a contradiction. There's only understanding in this relationship. Our, our, I feel like, you know, we're pushing, or maybe it's just me, maybe, you, I, well, it is just me, because everyone here is way smarter than I am. But, like, I just feel like I'm pushing up against my, my, my brain wall kind of thing, where it's like I can't process it anymore. But there's only understanding in this relationship between God the Father and Jesus the Son. One commentator wrote, instead of denying their accusations, he endorsed it. If today a man made this kind of claim that, you know, I'm God kind of thing. Today, if, uh, uh, excuse me, if a man made this kind of claim, we would conclude that he was joking or mentally disturbed. 
what actually, it was a sad story. I'll just pause here. But I actually had someone sit in my office a number of years ago, wasn't here. And they told me that they are Jesus Christ incarnate. And I thought, oh, boy. You know? So we prayed together because it wasn't true, just so you know. Uh, yeah, I, I would like to see Jesus like that. But it was in this case, it wasn't him. And uh, anyway, so, it, but, you know, so, but we understand that if someone claims this today, there, you know, there's something not quite straight going on, right? If today a man made this kind of claim, we would conclude that he was joking or mentally disturbed. I wouldn't joke about it either, just so you know. Um, I would just consider it mentally disturbed. Uh, Jesus was certainly not insane, and there's every evidence that he was deadly serious when he spoke these words. When we read these words in the book of John that I am the Father, I want like that, that is messing up the religious leaders that Jesus is speaking it to. It's like making them freak out like they're losing it, like they're tearing their clothes, they're pulling their hair out, they're foaming at the mouth, right? Like it's just kind of crazy. Either Either Jesus is what he claims to be or he is a liar. And if he is a liar, how do you explain all the good he has done in the lives of needy people? Nobody wants to trust a liar. And Jesus' disciples were willing to die for him. Think about it. If Jesus was a liar, why would his disciples, they, they were all killed, right? Like, eventually. So why would they have died for him if he was a liar? I don't know about you, but I wouldn't die for a liar, right? I think we could agree on that. So today we see the perfect co-equal and co-eternal relationship between Father, Son, and we'll add the Holy Spirit. Jesus and the Father are one, working together, doing the same deeds in the same way. So again, our first thought was co-equal and co-eternal. Our next thought is this, unbroken fellowship. While on earth, Jesus never stopped being fully God while being fully man. Let me say it again. While on earth, Jesus never stopped being fully God while being fully man. Obviously, this is a challenging concept for us to learn and to put him into perspective in our lives. Think about it this way. Sometimes Jesus would let his deity shine through. So Jesus was, you know, just like you and I. He would walk and talk and share stories and all that kind of stuff, have a good time. But sometimes Jesus would let his deity shine through. We actually see a, a glimpse into this in Luke chapter 9, verse 29. Sorry. Yeah, Luke chapter 9, verse 29. It says, and as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered. And his clothing became dazzling white. Isn't that an amazing picture for us today? Just as Jesus was praying, his face was altered and his clothes became dazzling white. Wow. What a picture of our Savior in full splendor. It's true, we are friends of this God, but he is incarnate. He is is God in flesh. Jesus is our friend, but he is completely God. He's never stopped being God in flesh. One commentator wrote, for Jesus to claim to have, uh, to have power to raise the dead was a blasphemous thing in the eyes of the Jewish leaders. They gave that power to God alone. Think about it today. Like We can see this uh, kind of walking out as uh, we read the scriptures, and as Jesus is saying, I'm going to raise people from the dead people are going to be raised from the dead and again we can see these religious leaders you know i think of a lot of us today you know we would probably be a lot like the religious leaders where we'd be freaking out i know some religious leaders we, what, 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 you know how could you say that right and slamming the fists and making a post on facebook about it it's just going to be crazy 
Jesus claims to be God teaches us that he is the Christ. If he wasn't the Christ, he wouldn't be able to do what he claimed and what he accomplished. Jesus also claims to be equal to God in executing judgment. By this claim in John 5 verse 22, Jesus is claiming to be God. Jesus is the one who can judge. Remember, Jesus never empties himself. He couldn't do it. Think about it this way. When we think of Jesus on earth, he never emptied himself of his deity. He was always fully God. He never stopped being fully God. And he actually couldn't remove his his being God from him, his physical flesh. So that's our second thought today, unbroken fellowship. While Jesus walked this earth, he never stopped being God at any single moment. He never stopped being fully God at any single moment. Here's our next thought. We're going to take a bit of a right turn here, a left turn if you're looking straight at me. Why do we, or excuse me, who do we pray to? Let me say it again. Who do we pray to? So you may be thinking, well, pastor, you've mentioned the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit today. Well, who do we pray to? Like, we've got these three, three persons in one. Come on, man, you're driving me crazy. Who do we pray to? Well, the, the persons of the Godhead, which makes up Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are equal. It's not like a, one is better than the other, one's more powerful. Well, talk to this one because that one's not as good. No, no, three persons in one. And then I think about how some of our Northern Life Church family have Catholic backgrounds or Catholic knowledge, and I don't mean any disrespect here, but it's important to who we pray. It's important to who we pray. If there's any confusion in your mind, this is my fallback my whole life from when I was a young child. If there's any confusion in your whole life, just simply pray to Jesus. That's it. That's all you need. Pray to Jesus. The earth around you will shift and shake when we use his name. His name is power. I want us to really take hold of that today. The name of Jesus is power. When we speak it, yeah, well, Pastor, you're just saying a name. Well, you know, I, I, was, I was listening to this thing the other day, and I, I was reminded of something. Do you know that never, no one ever curses in any other God but ours? Think about that. You know, when you, we hear someone swear or curse, they don't say, oh, stinking Muhammad. You don't. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a word. It's like saying stinking Jason. Okay, well, thanks. Like, it doesn't mean anything. But man, when you curse in the name of Christ, there's something that shifts in the atmosphere. I wouldn't say it's a good thing, but, you know, there's power in the name of Jesus. No matter how and when it's used, there's power in that name. Never forget it. Whenever you feel darkness coming around you and surrounding you, what do we pray? We pray the name of Jesus. We don't pray the other names we find in the scripture. They're just normal people like you and I. They're not special. There's nothing more to it than that. But we pray the name of Jesus. Well, pastor, only the pastor, the minister, the the bishop, the priest can say the name of Jesus. No, 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 no. Every single one of us can pray in the name of Jesus. And as you pray in the name of Jesus, darkness flees. Every time I go into an atmosphere where I think, man, this is going to be a little bit, a little bit challenging, what do I say? I begin to speak the name of Jesus, and everything around me will shift. 
That's what happened. The earth begins to shake around us when we use his name. Some of us get this a little confused, but I want to encourage you today. When we pray, if we don't know who to pray to, we pray to the name of Jesus. A.W. Tozer wrote this, God is never jealous for a formula. Religious people are. They live and die by formula. You don't have to pray a certain way in order for God to hear you. That's just religion. Praying to God, praying to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they are not jealous of one another. Think about that. The Trinity, they are not jealous of one another. When you see, I will just use young children as an example because I don't want to purposely embarrass or call anyone out. But like, have you ever seen siblings jealous of each other when they're kids? You know, one gets the cake, the other one doesn't. Why not? I don't know what the answer is. But or you get, they get more chocolate frosting than the other one, and it becomes a whole thing. Or you know, this time of year, what they got three scoops of ice cream, I've got two, and their three are way bigger than my two. Like it's just like chaos, right? Well, there's no jealousy when it comes to the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's no jealousy. They're not jealous of one another. The Godhead is three persons in one. You can't offend the others because you pray to one. Well, I haven't prayed to God in a long time. He's so angry. No, he's not. He's not. When we pray to Jesus, when we pray to one, we're praying to the, all of them. Pray, by praying to one, you're praying to the Godhead. God is quick to overlook our ignorance. Have you ever been thought like, man, I prayed for some stupid stuff. Anyone ever out there? I've done it a few times here, or every day, actually. God is quick to overlook our ignorance. Do you know that? He's quick to overlook it. Some of us don't know better when we pray. I've seen some people uh, like me, like a pastor or someone in leadership in the church, we, un- we, we correct people when they're praying. If you're praying to Jesus, what's there to correct? Yes, if you're praying to some other God, I'm going to tell you, right? Well, do you think this is a good idea? No, I don't. But if you're praying to Jesus, like, who cares? Who cares? Like, we're just praying. You know, I, <laughs> I remember someone said to me, I get annoyed by this. When people, sometimes when people pray, we repeat the same words over and over again. And I do it too, and it can be a bit annoying. So maybe you go, some of you, when I start praying, you're like, oh, here he goes again, right? I don't know. But uh, that can be a bit annoying. I had this guy I knew way back. He's like, don't you just get annoyed when someone says Jesus all the time? I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm like, what's the big deal? Oops, I said Jesus' name too many times. Oh, my goodness. Oh, God, help me. No, come on, stop it. When you pray to Jesus, I really don't care how we pray. We just need to pray. We just need to pray. If we make a mistake when we pray, God knows our hearts and what is upon our heart to pray to him. Sometimes when I've prayed, I've heard words come out of my mouth, and I thought, that don't make sense. But God knows my heart. Right? Sorry, Lord, those words came out in the wrong order. Anyone speak words in the wrong order ever? Right? If we make a mistake when we pray, God knows our heart and what is on, uh, what is on our heart to pray. We pray to God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, no more, no less. Here's our next thought. Discipline, not condemnation. Pastor Chris, if you could come, worship team, get prepared. I'm going quick today. This is good. I'm actually staying on time. Discipline, not condemnation. 
not to be careful right now. I, if I offend, it's, you know, I'm just not on, like, I'm not doing it on purpose, so to speak. But we're living in a time right now where people have mixed up discipline with condemnation. Some things we need to be reminded, there's some things we need to be reminded of over time, and this is one of them. Jesus disciplines us. He does not condemn us. I want you to understand that. God will discipline us. People, whether it's believers, whomever, uh, well, actually, excuse me. God will discipline us, the people, believers, those who know Christ and his name. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's none. There's none. If you've been forgiven, if you've been redeemed, we can walk in faith and confidence that we are free from condemnation. Will the Lord correct us when we make mistakes? Yes. Yes. Remember, there is a difference between a father-son relationship compared against a slave and their master. You know, we, we call Jesus master and Lord, but it's really a father-son relationship. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We are no one's slave. He set us free. We were slaves when we didn't know him. We are slaves to sin when we don't know Jesus. Everyone around us that does not know Jesus is a slave to sin. That's what the Bible teaches us. But for those of us that are in Christ Jesus, we have been set free, and he calls us sons and daughters of the Most High. That's who we are. We can actually walk around with our chest puffed up a little bit, right? Not in arrogance, but in confidence that we have been saved, redeemed, and set free. A.W. Tozer wrote, The believer who fails his God and sins comes into discipline, but not condemnation. The sinner, the one who does not know Jesus, is already under condemnation. You don't come under condemnation when you are a, a, a sinner, you're just there. We, we, we don't know God. We actually just live under condemnation. I know it's a hard word. We don't like to use these words these days. But the truth is, is that yes, we will be disciplined by the Lord, but we are not condemned. Our example in the scripture is Simon Peter who lied about knowing Jesus three times in Luke chapter 22. And then we have Judas who gave up Christ. We see a, just before his crucifixion and who never would be regenerated and went out into condemnation. Judas actually operated under condemnation to the point where he hung himself because he, what he did. But church, today we look to Peter in the scriptures who found favor and was restored. Jesus lied about knowing Christ, or excuse me, Peter lied about knowing Christ three times. I'd say that you'd feel a bit of condemnation for doing that. But Jesus sets him free. We can all relate to Peter. Each of us comes to Christ weary, worn, and sad. Each of us has a choice to come to Christ as we are, sinful, tired, without self-confidence. We know that we cannot live the perfect life, but through the power of Christ, we come anyways. When we trust the words of Jesus Christ, we learn that we will never come into 
judgment or condemnation. I'm not sure if it's somebody in the room here today in Espanola, in Little Current. I, I just wonder if there's somebody online today. Maybe you're watching this live. Maybe you're watching this a couple days from now. But I want you to know that when we are under Christ, there is no more condemnation. When Jesus lives in our hearts and that we live for him and that we will spend eternity with him, there is no more condemnation. It's God. Isaiah 54 verse 8 says, In overflowing anger for a moment I hid my face from you, but with everlasting love I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Yes, we do things that make the Lord, make God in heaven cry, frustrated. I'm sure he's angry from time to time. But because of Jesus, we've been set free. I know it does not seem fair, right? It doesn't make any sense, but that's the great love that God has for us. Because the Lord is our Redeemer, we never need to worry after we have trusted him if we do trust and walk on with him. Because the Lord is our Redeemer, we have no need to worry. Let me ask you this question right here for the folks here in Espanola. I want to ask this question of everyone in Little Current, everyone watching online today. Have you trusted the Lord with your life? I want you to Take a step back and ask yourself that question, no matter how young you are, how old you are, no matter how far from the things of God you may feel right now. I want you to ask this question. Have you trusted the Lord with your life? I feel right now we should, of course, give an opportunity to each and every one of us to pray to Jesus that he would come and be Lord of our life. I have, <laughs> I have no idea where everyone is at today. People in our, our church family, sometimes they'll say things like, well, the pastor knew what was going on in my life. I really have no idea. I'm sorry if that bothers you. Maybe you're glad. I, I, I just have no idea. Sometimes God tells me to pray for people, and I'll tell you, God told me to pray for you. Can I, how can I pray for you? But outside of that, that's it chances are we have close to 100 different people from different situations gathering with us today. It's not just who's in this room right now or just who's in our little current campus. But every single person that's with us today has unique stories that we're bringing to this gathering. And in the midst of that, I believe there is one message for each of us to hear. And it's simply that Jesus has saved us and we are free. That's the message. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to pray a prayer with me that I'm going to pray in just a moment. Maybe you need to pray this prayer again. Maybe you've, you've said this prayer before in your life, but you need to pray it again. Maybe some things in your life have gone off the tracks. I see a lot of that today. We... You know, it's, it's not like one decision we make or even one series of decisions, but after so many years, we just find ourselves way off track when it comes to our walk with God. So if that's you today, if you want to pray with me for the first time, or maybe you want to pray a prayer like this again, I invite you to pray with me. And if everyone in the room here could 
repeat after me just to help us out. That'd be appreciated. So I'm just going to pray a few words, then you just repeat it back. It's called something. I forget. It's something spiritual. I don't know. But anyways, so let's just pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me so much. I now turn away from all the bad stuff in my life. Thank you, Jesus, that you have died for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. I now receive your forgiveness. I put my trust in you and I ask you to come into my heart by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I'm believing in faith today that somebody has said that for the first time. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time, I want you to visit our website. All you have to do is go to www.northernlife.church Jesus, and there's a form you can fill out to let me know you prayed, and I'll get in touch with you. All right? Simple as that. We just want to see people come into a relationship with Jesus. I don't care where you've been. I don't care where you're, you're going. I don't care what you've done. That's simply our prayer today. Why don't you stand with us, and uh, the worship team is going to lead. Let me just uh, uh, just pray right now for what God has done, and then Pastor Chris will lead us. So God, I just thank you for today, Lord. We're not here by chance or mistake, and uh, we're here because you called us by name. You have a purpose for every single one of us. God, your plans for us are to prosper us, not to harm us. Your plan is to give us a hope and a future. And God, anything that distracts us or tells us differently is a lie from the enemy. We are chosen by you. We are sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God, we are the head and not the tail. So God, we pray in faith that our, our faith in our, within our own lives would increase when we are feel led to pray for the sick. I pray that we would pray for them. God, when we feel led to share our faith, I pray that we would share our faith. And God, when we feel led to bow down and worship you because you are holy, I pray that you would do, we would do that. Lord, there is a thousand, there's a million love songs, and if we would sing those love songs, we would only just begin to proclaim your goodness, how great you are. So, Father, I pray as we sing this uh, this next worship song, as we just spend a few more minutes worshiping you because you are holy and mighty, God, I pray that the words of the songs would just really, again, sink, sink deep into us so that we can get a sense of your greatness and who you are in our lives. Father, we thank you for these things today. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Pastor Chris, would you lead us?